today I want to study a passage of scripture which documents a situation that happened after the death of Jesus. Now this scripture picks up after the disciples have watched his, his brutal crucifixion on the cross and after he was buried in the tomb. So let's turn to Mark 16, 1. We're going to read 1 through 8. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, Who will roll the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as you told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Now listen, I have read this passage of scripture all my life. I have read it dozens and dozens of times, but it was about one month ago that I was having my my quiet time with God, and I read verse 3, on the way they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And this verse hit me like a ton of bricks. And it hit me because right there, in that moment, I was there walking alongside those women. I was, I could just feel it. I was walking alongside them and we were wrestling with the question of how. How will we accomplish this? How will we accomplish this thing? And I have to admit, this is my moment of confession, I am a logistics wrestler. I will try and figure out every answer to every problem before I even get started. I just naturally wrestle with logistics in my head, and I easily allow logistics to stop me. And I can easily take on the heaviness and feel the weight of being the person that has to figure it all out. Now, I come by this honestly because I am an oldest child. We come pre-built into the womb with an overdeveloped sense of responsibility. We can't help it. It's just there, right? But because God has a sense of humor, I married a man who is a youngest child. (laughs) You know those people. They are the ones who didn't have the same rules growing up as you did because your parents were too exhausted. (laughs) Listen, my brother, who's the youngest in our family, 
As a teenage boy, he was chased by the police multiple times. And I watched my parents do this. I got in trouble for taking the prize out of the cereal box because I didn't share it with my siblings. Remember the days when you would get a prize in the cereal box? Boy, that would put Dr. Fauci in an early grave. The children of America up to their elbows in the family cereal every morning. We did that, right? What was in that moment on my bed in my quiet time and I understood how those women felt. I understood the weight of being told to do something and not knowing how I was going to do it. Understanding the weight and, and, and feeling all of the questions about, you know what, this is gonna fail. Telling myself how inadequate I am and how I am not going to be able to get this done. Going through all of the reasons of why I am not going to be able to do this. And I was, I was in that moment thinking, if I was there with those women, would I have turned back? Would that have just stopped me? Would I have just turned away until I could go home and figure it all out first? I think I would have. And in that moment, Jesus was quietly and tenderly whispering to me, don't let the stone stop you. Because here's the truth, as the women were walking and as they were, tr they were worried and they were fretting and they were trying to figure it all out, Jesus had already rolled that stone away. They were trying to figure out a problem that Jesus had already solved. Jesus had just conquered death. Do you think a rock was going to thwart his plan for mankind? <laughs> no. But we live that way, right? I live that way. I exaggerate my difficulties and I shrink Jesus. And we have to be very careful because the things that we focus on, the things that we're meditating on during the day, that is the thing we are worshiping because we are exalting it. It has our time. It has our attention. That is our worship. And how many times have I let that stop me, that worry, that anxiety stop me from doing what I knew the Holy Spirit was calling me to do? How many times have I been focusing on the how instead of the who? Because God said, I am the great I am. Church, it is time we stopped focusing on the how and put our eyes on the who. And here's something else that I realized. The obedience of these women walking down that road released a God-given authority in them that superseded the culture of that time. 
Because you see, the angel told the three women to go and tell the disciples. And later on, Jesus himself appeared to Mary Magdalene and said, go, go and tell the disciples, I am risen. Now you have to understand, what these women were being asked, what they were being tasked with, was probably not going to go down very well. Because in the ancient world, in these times, women were considered untrustworthy, and they were unreliable witnesses. So they couldn't even testify in court. They weren't even allowed to testify in court because their testimony had no value. It had no weight to it. And here's here's how that plays out. If something happened to a little girl or to a woman, if she was abused, if she was mistreated, she was not believed. And I know there are many of you here today that knows exactly how that feels. But Jesus did something so special and so purposed He allowed women to be the first witnesses of his resurrection. He appeared to Mary first. And where the religious leaders and the lawmakers believed women could not be trusted, Jesus entrusted Mary with the greatest news humanity could ever hear. He trusted her to tell. And he had just spilt his precious blood equally for both men, for women, for every tribe, for every tongue, for every nation. And he chose those three women who were walking in obedience, even though they didn't have all the obstacles figured out. He chose them to go and tell the men. This was revolutionary. That flew in the face of what this culture and what the society deemed acceptable. So my question is, what has God called you to do? Because it may not make sense, and you may not have all the answers figured out. It may sound crazy, But this I know, he goes before us and he will make a way. And as we walk in obedience, he will give us the authority that we need. Because he is a good God and he goes before us. The third thing that I read in this scripture is that he goes before us. And I had to think about this for a minute because... Was it the disciples' job to convince the world of Jesus, that Jesus was alive, that he had, had risen? It actually wasn't their job to convince the world. It was their job to tell the world. And as an oldest child, I wrestle with this a lot. Because I have to keep telling myself that I am not responsible for someone else's decision. 
I'm only responsible for my own obedience. So your neighbor, your classmates, your friends, they may never step foot in a church. They may never go go out to coffee with you and have a conversation about God. They may never be interested in that. They may never come to your home for dinner. But did you ask? Did you you ask? Have you shared with them what Jesus has done for you, what he has done in your life, how he has changed you? That's one of the things that makes Gary's testimony so powerful. Because if he had allowed every obstacle that he was facing, had he allowed every lie that he was hearing in his head to overcome him, to succeed, he probably would not be sitting here today. I'm going to end with this. I want you to be thinking this week, which obstacles are you making bigger than the power of Jesus in your life? That's the question for this week. Will you please stand with me? Heavenly Father, just as the Apostle Peter took his eyes off of you in the storm and began to sink, I ask that you forgive us for the times we took our eyes off of you when we were in a storm, when we were in trouble, and we started looking around at our our circumstances and we started looking around us, God, forgive us. We commit to putting our eyes back on you. We commit to meditating on your word and speaking out your promises in our lives this week. And every situation, every difficulty, every hardship, we speak your promises over. Father God, forgive us. Forgive us when we've allowed our need to control a situation to become bigger than you. I speak peace, and I speak joy, and I speak clarity, and I speak deliverance over the people of this church this week. Thank you, God, that you are such a good God to us. In Jesus' name, amen.